Welcome folks to tonight's uh, very exciting session, part three of uh, spiritual warfare that we are busy with. And uh, I know that we had said that we are going to do this in three parts, but God has given us some more revelation, so I'm actually going to throw in a fourth session next week. And in that fourth session, I'm going to deal with how is it that God can give promises and they never get fulfilled in your life. I think it's very, very important that we understand this because this is part of our spiritual warfare. And we need to understand when God has promised something, you know, if God is not a liar, how come is it so many people die and they never see the fulfillment of what God had promised them? So I'm going to deal with that next week and so I'm going to add a part four onto our series. So I just want you to get ready for that. Alright, so tonight I'm going to be dealing with the different weapons that God has given us. So I want you to hold on to your seatbelt because I'm going to deal with six different weapons in one session. Now, as I said before, these sessions are normally, each weapon is about an hour's worth of teaching. So I'm going to condense this very quickly. So I'm going to speak very fast, and you're going to have to just absorb. You know, in the army they say, yet no slick later, you know. And so uh, it's a case of just eat and swallow later, just pick it up on the way. But I really believe that as you allow the Holy Spirit to deal with this, get the tape, and just listen to this over and over, and as you get this into your spirit, I believe that this is going to liberate you and allow you to get a new perspective of what God has for you. Now when we look at the weapons, and we look at what God has given us, we look at the armor of God, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 to 18. And it says that we need to put on the whole armor. Now one of the problems that we've got with this is this, is there was a very strong teaching that every single day I had to put on the entire armor of God. Now I was a faithful Christian, I was a newborn Christian, and I did what I was told, and so every day I used to put on this whole armor. And then the next guy came in, and that took me about an hour to do. And then the next guy comes and says, you need to pray for a whole hour before you start. You know that I was literally, and I was still at school, I would literally be getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to first put on my whole armor, to pray through everything, and then by the time I get to school, I'm exhausted. So let me tell you something, this is not what God has intended. God has never intended you to take off your armor. So my question was, if I've got to put it on every morning, when did I take it off? So, I want you to understand that this is not a thing that I have to do every single day. It's something that I need to walk in permanently, be aware of permanently, so that you can walk in the victory that you need in Jesus' name. Alright, so let's just quickly go through them. The first one I'm going to deal with is your helmet of salvation. The definition of salvation is to deliver, it means health, it means salvation, to preserve, and it means to be made whole. Salvation is a lot more than just being saved from the devil's clutches and getting into heaven. Salvation means that I am totally whole in every area of my life. How many of you know that we need to come into wholeness and we're still working on some issues? Come on, some of us are not quite whole yet. But if we speak about salvation, we are talking about a promise of being totally whole in every area. We need to realize that the Lord will truly deliver His children from the hand of the enemy and bring us through any circumstance. God wants to bring us through. Okay, how do 
we do this? Number one is, we need to get a revelation of Jesus Christ. If we've got to understand who Jesus Christ is. In 1 Peter 1.13 it says, Therefore, gird up your loins of your mind, be sober, and rest in the hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now what does that mean? It means, if I know who Jesus Christ is, the more I get to know Him, the more I'm going to trust Him. If I trust Jesus, I know that He is going to save me through this thing. How many of you know, and it's very funny to see this, guys who don't serve God or serve Him very weakly, the minute they're in trouble, they start praying. Oh God, please deliver me from this. And they promise God everything. You know, including my house, my cat, my car, whatever. You know, um, what is that guy's name? Jephthah. Jephthah sat down in a battle. He says, God, if you let me win this battle, man, well, the first thing that comes to my, um, that meets me, I will slaughter. And he gets there and it's his own daughter. And he actually, according to history, went and killed his own daughter because he had promised her as a sacrifice. So let me tell you something, guys, do dumb stuff when they're under pressure. But when you know Jesus Christ, you are going to get to the place where you know that He is going to save you out of any situation and bring you into a place of full wholeness. So, I want you to know, how do I get to that place? I need to renew my mind. The helmet of salvation deals with my mind. It deals with the way that I think. This is your biggest issue that you're going to have as a Christian, is to get my thinking in line with the Word of God and not in what I see that's happening around me. Okay, so in Romans chapter 12 verse 2 it says, Do not be conformed to this world. In other words, don't act like the world. How many Christians act like the world? You're going through a hard time? Yeah, I know we're all going through a hard time. No, you're not. You say, in the name of Jesus, you can have the hard time. I don't accept that in my life. I will trust God to change my life. Just like the Israelites. When everybody else was going through a rough time, they weren't. The rest of the place, Egypt was in darkness, they were in light. You understand? You don't have to have what the world has. We as Christians just don't conform, uh, transform our mind to not have what the world has. We're quite happy to do whatever anything else is happening. Okay, but it says, don't conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we need to get there, okay, to the place that we know who we are in Jesus Christ. The biggest issue that you're going to have is knowing your position in Christ. So when we talk about the helmet of salvation, it means about your position as the head. You see, before Adam fell, I'm going to give you the positions. Before Adam fell, there was God, then there was Jesus, then there were angels, then there was man, and then there was Satan. That was the rank on the earth. After Adam fell, it swapped. It went like this. God, Jesus, angels, then Satan, and then man. Satan started to rule over man. Okay? But then when Jesus Christ came, he did not restore us to the same position that Adam had. The Bible says that now it goes God, Jesus, angels, Satan, the unsaved. So where does the believer fit into this now? The believer now jumps to the position next to Jesus Christ. We are on the same level as Jesus Christ. The Bible says you are co-heirs with Christ. You are co-laborers with Christ. And you are co-inheritor with Christ. In other words, you have the same authority. Jesus Christ says, as I am, you are also on this earth. In other words, the same authority and the same rights that Jesus had on this earth, you have on this earth. 
Most of us have never got a revelation of that. If you get a revelation of that, you will realize that you are three steps higher or two steps higher than Satan and all of his cohorts. Because below you is still angels. The Bible says that you will judge angels. You know, can you imagine when we get to heaven one day, we're going to line up the angels and we're going to tell them whether they did a good job or not. You see, God does not see you as somebody who is a little weak human being on this earth. God sees you as a supernatural being that carries an authority and our instruction is to do what Jesus Christ did on this earth. We are supposed to have dominion over this earth, control over this earth, and we should be dictating what should be happening on this earth. The problem with a Christian is this, we have not renewed our mind. When you look at a believer, as opposed to the unsafe person, you are looking at three different ranks, different. You know, the gap between us is three different ranks. Now I want you to know, why are we acting like the unsaved, when we are supposed to be three ranks above, instructing angels to be doing stuff? Can you see how far we have moved off from what God has intended us to be? And I'm here to correct this. I'm here to stir you up. When you have the helmet of salvation, you think properly. Knowing that you are ahead on this earth. You are in charge. The Bible says that ye are God's little g. What does it mean? You are a ruler. You have authority. And God is waiting for you to use that authority on this earth. So when we speak about the helmet of salvation, we are talking about your position in Christ, and we are wanting you to get to the place where you know that my thinking must line up with the Word of God. So every single time the devil comes to you, you go, listen, I am much higher ranked in authority than you are. I'm a co-heir with Christ. If Christ could sort you out, I definitely can sort you out in the name of Jesus. The next one is the breastplate of righteousness. Alright? The definition of the breastplate. It was considered to be two parts that protected the body on both sides, the front and the back. Alright? There was a breastplate. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14, you see the breastplate of righteousness. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8, breastplate of love and faith. Now, the definition of righteousness means that you are in right standing with God. Now, we are made righteous with God by one thing, that is the blood of Jesus. Let me explain something to you in a natural way that you can understand it. How many of you have done something wrong when you were a small child and, you got, and your parents told you to do something and you deliberately did something wrong? Put up your hand. Right? How many of you felt that you could not have access or you were not okay with your parents? Who ever felt like that? Alright, how many of you ever got a hiding because you did something wrong? How many of you felt after the hiding, <laughs> after the hiding, and the guys just keep their hands right up now because they're just guilty of everything. Alright, after the hiding, it was over and settled and you could come back to your dad or mom. How many of you felt like that after your hiding? Alright, what is the hiding? The hiding was the thing that made you righteous again with your parents. In other words, brought you back into right standing. It took the guilt off you. It got it out of the way. Do you understand that? 
Alright, so the hiding was the thing that brought you back into a good relationship as you should have had. Now when it comes to the spiritual things, the Bible says that the blood of Christ has brought us into right standing with God again. We do not get a hiding to get us into the right place. We had the blood of Jesus that comes and takes that guilt away, takes that shame away, takes that division away, takes that separation away, and allows us to come in right relationship with God the Father again. Now, the Bible says that there is no remission of sin without the blood. In Hebrews uh, chapter 9, Okay, verse 22. And according to the law, almost all things were purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. So in other words, Jesus had to have his blood shed so that he could bring us that remission, that forgiveness, and to clear out the way so that we could get to the Father. Okay, now Jesus had to pay with his own blood. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12, not with the blood of goats and calves, and not with, uh, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. In other words, Jesus Christ came and said, listen, up until the time Jesus died, they used to have to sacrifice an animal once a year. And that animal would cover the sin of the nation for a year. And then Jesus Christ came and said, listen, we are not going to use animals anymore. I am going to die. My blood will do it once and for all. That's why we don't sacrifice animals anymore. So now Jesus Christ comes to the Father and says, listen, I am giving you my blood once and for all. It covers any sin and any unrighteousness. In other words, any separation from man and you forever. That is why even if you've sinned, you can come to God. All all God sees is the blood of Jesus over you. Even if you've messed up, you can run to God. Nothing stops you. That's why the Bible says, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Height, depth, you know, no matter what it is. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. Are you guys with me? Now, Jesus' blood was very special because it was not human blood. What do I mean by that? Simply, who was Jesus' father? The Holy Spirit. Jesus was not conceived by a natural man. Why did Jesus have to be conceived by the Holy Spirit? Simply because Adam was conceived by God. Alright? Adam was conceived by God. And because he was conceived by God, he had no sin in his bloodline. And the sin was passed from the fathers down the generations. If Jesus was conceived by Joseph, then he would have had sin in his bloodline. But because Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, he had no sin, and therefore the devil could not kill him. And that's when Satan made a mistake. And so Jesus Christ could pay back and buy back the rights over mankind because Satan had put an innocent person on the cross who had no sin and no inherent sin. In other words, he didn't get it from any curse or something he passed down from his father. And because his blood was pure and spotless and without blemish. Okay? So that when Satan killed him, he made a mistake. 
So according to Matthew chapter 118, that the blood of Jesus, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Alright, now Jesus had to sprinkle his blood. After Jesus rose, his blood had to be taken to the Father. Remember when he rose, in John chapter 20 verse 17, Jesus said to Mary, he said, listen, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but... um, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and to my God and to your God. In other words, when Jesus Christ rose, He said, don't touch me. I've still got to go to my Father and present my blood. I have to go to my Father and present my blood and to cover the sin once and for all for everybody. That's why it was interesting. The minute Jesus Christ appeared back that later that afternoon, so he went in the, in the morning, he went to heaven. That later afternoon he came back and he appeared to the disciples. And then he said to them, and he breathed on them and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. That's when they got born again. Why? Because his blood was accepted in the morning. He had, raised, he had gone to heaven, said to the Father, Here's my blood. And God the Father said, I accept this once and for all, forever. An eternity of redemption has been given to mankind. That's why God says, I will not just destroy man until we come to the end. Okay, so, Jesus' blood was sprinkled, okay, once and for all in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12. Now, this is very important. I want to show you how blood can be used as a weapon in your life. Okay, so not only has the blood of Jesus come and washed away all of your sin. This is why communion is so, so important. When you take the blood of Christ, you must understand that that blood was shed for your entire salvation in every area. That you can be made whole. So that you are standing pure and righteous before God. But at the same time, you've been given a huge weapon in your hands that you can use against the devil. I'm going to show you how this works. And we pick up the story. Let's go and look in the Old Testament. In Job, we see that Job 1.5. Okay, and so it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them. And he would rise up early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This Job did regularly. Okay, some translations say that he did it every single day. So every day, here comes Job, and you kill a sacrifice, kill an animal, just in case his family had sinned. What is the result of that? There was a hedge of protection that was formed around him and everything that he owned. That Satan could not get near him. See, it was because of the blood that that protection was there. Alright, the hedge came about because of that in verse 10, chapter 1 verse 10. It says, have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? How many of you would like to have a hedge of protection around you, everything you own, and any possession of yours, on every side that the devil cannot get close to? It's quite cool. Alright, but Job broke his own hedge. In Job chapter 3 verse 25, For the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. So Job makes a mistake. He says, listen, I'm scared that something's going to happen. That fear opened the door to the devil. Okay? And the result, everybody knows, that he ended up losing everything. Now, the blood of Jesus gives us protection. 
And I'm going to show you how. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24, very important scripture, write this down. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the blood of the sprinkling, Jesus' blood, that speaks better things than that of Abel. Now when I was in uh, Bible college and being trained, uh, we got taught that this was speaking about revenge and forgiveness. In other words, Abel's blood spoke of revenge. You know, Cain killed Abel. Alright, Abel was going, revenge, 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 and Jesus' blood speaks of forgiveness. Until I started dealing with Satanists and Satan, uh, demonic forces, and a demon spoke to me once, and said to me, listen, um, started screaming because I said, I, I plead the blood of Jesus over a wall. And this demon started to scream. I said, what is it with you? And he says, no, I can't look. This thing's, the blood of Jesus is burning me and is speaking. I said, what's it saying? It says, go away, you have no right here. Now I want you to know that in the charismatic church, old charismatic time, we used to use this saying often, I plead the blood, I plead the blood, I'm sure you've heard this. Okay, it is not scriptural to use that word. It's not scriptural to do that. What you do is this, is God I thank you for your blood. I thank you that your blood has put a protection around my house in Jesus name. And once I understood that, I practically saw it happening time and time again, where Satanists would be standing outside of my house, trying to put a curse on, and then they would literally release a demon into our house, the demon would come back on fire, come and torment the person who sent it, and then I'd sit down and say, what is going on? They said the whole house was covered with blood. They physically could see it, and how that when the demon got close to the blood, the blood, they'd actually catch a light and come back and torment the person who sent it. I want to tell you right now, that the blood of Jesus is very powerful. And so every single night, if you want a hedge of protection around you, all you have to do is say, Lord, I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you for your protection over my vehicle, over my stuff, everything around me in Jesus' name. And I'm telling you now, when people understand that, and they pray that, they have, there's so many testimonies where they, people coming to try and break in or do something, that they walk onto the property, and all of a sudden they will see angels, they will see the house covered in blood they will see all sorts of manifestations happening because of Jesus' protection, because of the blood because you have said I am a child of God, as for me and my house we will serve the Lord and no devil has a place and a foothold in my house and on this property so I want to tell you right now, God's protection can be there for you Okay, He has paid the price for you to be protected. So the blood of Jesus is a massive weapon that we can have because we are in right standing with Him and that He wants to bring us into the fullness of what He has for us in Jesus' name. Amen. You got that. Right. Next weapon. Alright, we're going to move on to the shield of faith. Are you guys still okay? Alright, please get the tape. I'm moving very fast. The next weapon is your shield of faith. Now this one is very important, actually they're all very important, but this one is very important because there are a lot of Christians who are not operating in this one. Alright, faith by definition is is that it is a childlike trust in God. Best way I can describe it, it's a little child jumping off a table, said, Daddy catch me. Man, that child just comes. And he believes, and he knows like he knows, that his daddy's going to catch him. Okay? If, if I'd ask some of you, I'd be very doubtful. If I'm going to jump off here, you're going to go, <laughs> crave your booty. Alright? But let me tell you something. 
A childlike trust in God is what God is looking for. God, you said it, I believe it, I trust you, and it's going to happen. And it does happen. But our problem is this, is we look at the world and we look at the circumstances and we go, God, your word doesn't look like it's lining up or I don't know if you're going to do this because I don't see a way that you can do this. See, we're all trying to make sense of what God's going to do. God can do stuff supernaturally. God has done so many things supernaturally in my life and in my family's life, I can't keep up with all the stories where God has supernaturally given us divine context, divine things. I mean, it is amazing. I mean, we even stay in Kenton and God will send people from other continents and they'll rock up in Kenton to want a meeting with me. I've got another one now. I one of the, the big um, universities... Um, got hold of me now and said, listen, they want a meeting with me at the airport. They were coming to fly out, and I think it was Monday, I had to meet with some of the big shots at the university. And I'm going, how do you guys even get in connection with this lot? Because God is in control. If God's busy with something, God will make a way. Don't look at how He's going to do it. Trust Him that He will do it. Amen. Alright, now I want you to look at this. In Romans chapter 12 verse 3, it says, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dwelt to every man the measure of faith. I want you to see something. There is a difference between the measure of faith and your level of faith. The measure of faith is perfect faith. Everybody has been given the same amount of faith. The same amount of potential to totally control this planet. To totally have whatever we speak. God has given everybody the potential. I, I use this example. It's like if I give you a sports car, I give you a Lamborghini, its speed, top its speed is 320 kilometers an hour. That car is guaranteed to hit 320 kilometers an hour, but you driving it will determine how fast you are comfortable to drive. A lot of us will not be riding 320 kilometers an hour down Cape Road. Alright. You are not comfortable at that speed. I have driven with some guys who have had professional training and it's scary how fast they can drive in very small areas. But let me tell you something, it has the potential of 320, but it's up to you how high or how low you are using it. Now, what builds my faith? The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Okay? So, whenever I hear the word, it starts building my faith. So, how many of you know that you have this cycle up and down and up and down? In other words, I go to church. How many of you have been on Sunday, you walk out of church and you think, Yes, I can take the devil. Anything that moves, I'm going to lay hands on. I'm ready for anything. By Tuesday, I'm going, Oh God, I don't even know if I'm saved. Come on. Your faith is not as high as it was on Sunday. Why? Because when you're in church, you are hearing the Word. The Word was stirring that faith inside of you. The more I hear the Word, the more I believe the Word, the more I believe the Word, the more I get somewhere. So, I want you to see, there are a few things here. You've got the measure of faith, which is your total potential. You've got your level that fluctuates below that. And then there is the gift of faith. And I'm going to deal with some of these. 
The gift of faith, we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, okay, we find it in verse uh, 7 to 11, and I'm not going to read all of that. There's all the gifts. And what is the gift of faith? A gift of faith is for a specific occasion. It doesn't mean that I operate in this all the time. But what happens is this, is is when my level of faith all of a sudden hits at full potential. It's like when I hit that Lamborghini at 320 kilometers an hour, I'm at full thrust, full potential. And I'm in a normal situation, but for one situation, could be somebody like a child drowning in a pool, and all of a sudden you know like you know that God's going to raise that child. You lay hands on that child, and that child gets raised from the dead. It does not mean that I have that same faith for everything else. You know, you could have the very next thing of, okay, well, we need to pay your accounts. And go, oh, no, I don't have faith for that. Do you understand? You have faith for that, or you don't have faith for healing in your own house, but you can raise somebody from the dead. That is what we call a gift of faith. It is a perfect faith for a specific situation. Okay, you guys with me? So you got your three. You got the measure, your full potential, you got your level that fluctuates, and then you got the gift that allows your level for one split second to hit your full potential and things happen. The Bible says that we can operate in this level. It is a gift. The more we develop it, the more it can start operating in our lives. I do not see a lot of Christians trying to push in for the gift of faith. It's amazing if we could get it right. Man, we believe God no matter what. Then no matter what is going on around me, I know God said, I know His word is true, I stand on it and it's going to happen. Now I want to show you, our biggest fight is to get our level close to the measure. How many of you want to raise your level of faith? God, please, and let it not crash tomorrow. Come on, that's the tough one. Lord, let it just at least stay the same. You know, some of us go right up and then right down. Now, I need to strive to increase my faith. This is done by Romans 10 verse 17. It says, so faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We must constantly stay in the word. We must know what God says. God's word is the highest authority. Now, I want to show you how to increase your faith. You guys ready? Write these words down. Okay? The first thing that I do... I need to hear the word. I need to get the word in. Okay? The more I hear the word, and let me tell you something, the fastest way that you are going to get the word in is read scripture loud. When you read scripture loud, Janine and I are saying, the best thing that I can teach a new believer is let them read the Bible loud. As they read it loud, they are quoting scripture so that angels can fight on their behalf. And what they are doing is they are hearing the word of God, which the Bible says is going to generate faith in their lives. So if you read the Bible loud, you are going to get there. Okay? So now you need to get the word inside. The minute I get the word inside, I then need to start meditating on it. Alright, so I meditate on the word. What does it mean? I think about it, I repeat it, I speak it out. I keep on saying one verse over and over. When I get the manifestation, uh, the meditation right, the more I meditate, the then I'm going to move on to the manifestation. Okay? I get on from the meditation, it moves to a manifestation. In other words, the more I meditate on something, the more my faith goes up, the more I say things, the more things start happening. Does it make sense? Okay? 
I get the word, I speak it out, I think about it, I speak it out, I think about it, I believe it, and then the thing starts happening in my life. Now, faith is always going to be a battle. The Bible says that this is your shield. Satan comes against you, and what is he going to do? He's going to come against you with doubt and unbelief. The Bible says very clearly that faith quenches Satan's attack against you. Every fiery dart that comes to stop you from getting somewhere, faith is going to stop it. It is the only defensive mechanism that moves anywhere around your body. In other words, whatever it is, whether it be sickness, whether it comes against your mind, whatever it is, you are going to be able to move and stop this this attack coming against you. So I believe God. The more I believe God, the more I have got a defense mechanism around me. Can you see, if I know my position in Christ, I know the blood of Jesus is around me, I have my faith up, can you see that we have got a serious amount of weapons? Listen, we are not this little wimp walking around. We are seriously empowered. I mean, I'm like Rambo, we're overkill. You know what I mean? I've got a bazooka and I'm attacking a rabbit. Okay, God has given us an excessive amount of weaponry to sort out this world. But the problem is the Christians don't know this and they don't apply it. As a result, we are staying weak, we are allowing the devil into our lives. The bottom line, in a nutshell, we are conforming to this world. We are doing exactly what the world's doing, and we are getting the same results, and we're saying, God, where are you? God's going, well, pick up your weapons and use it. Do what I've given you. Go and follow my instructions, and do what I told you to do. And you will see things start changing in Jesus' name. Now, faith fights. In 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, verse 12, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, fight. This is not a sit down and enjoy. The Bible will tell you to fight because you are going to be in a fight. Now what's the good fight of faith? The devil is going to come with these things. Number one, Doubt, unbelief, negative words, and the natural. How many of you know that just the natural is going to be a tough one? Come on, there's somebody sick, and you see the natural, they're dying of cancer. That's the natural. And yet God says, by stripes I was healed. You say, in the name of Jesus, I command life. You see, now, the only thing that's going to change that is faith. The thing that's going to be attacked is your faith. Do you really believe God's word is stronger than a sick person that you can see? Your natural is going to be a major attack on your faith. Especially if you watch the news. I'm telling you right now, it's not a good thing if you're really going to build faith to keep watching the news. Because you're sowing yourself with a lot of doubt. And the minute you start doubting, the Bible says that you are like a double-minded man. is unstable in all of his ways and he will receive nothing from the Lord. I don't want to get to the place where I receive nothing from the Lord. I want to be a person of faith who believes God no matter what happens. And if everybody else believes one thing, I need to be able to sit down and say, I believe your word. God, in the name of Jesus, I command this situation to change. Because your word says so. And because your word says so, I expect to see it in Jesus' name. Because I have meditated on the word. 
I have meditated on it. I've got it into my heart. I believe it with all my heart. And as I speak it, it starts happening in Jesus' name. Alright, so you should always remember that your faith is, your, is our first defense. That we truly trust God and His Word. And it will quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. Everything that comes against you and your family, you can stop. Because you can say, I trust God. God's Word says that this is not right. So therefore it has to change, not me. Okay, so don't believe every lie that the devil throws at you. Everything that he comes with and says, listen, you're not worthy and you're no good at this and whatever. You say, devil, you're a liar in Jesus' name. And this is what I like when I'm doing deliverances. Often, Satan, will, uh, not Satan, the demon inside the person will come up and say, I'm going to kill you. I don't sit down and go, oh yes, now the devil's after me and I'm covering in my boots. I go, you liar devil, in the name of Jesus, your days are ended. Your days are finished in this person. You are out of here. It shows me that's their last sign of defense. Yeah, and it's not a case of just being weak in their situations. It is a case of knowing who you are in Christ. Knowing your weapons and saying, Devil, no matter what you say, you are disarmed. Demon, you can do what you want, say what you want. You are absolutely nothing in Jesus' name. You have no authority and no power because my weapons are far stronger than what you've got. I'm telling you right now, any one of these weapons can sort out the devil. That's why I said, God's given you an overkill. It's actually lots of fun. It's like, okay, what are we going to use today? You know, which weapon can we use? Because if you use them all, I'm telling you what. But we should be in that level. Guys, we should be at that level. We should be recognizing who we are in Christ and having all this weaponry in our lives on a daily basis. Right, next one is the sword, it is the word of God as I explained last time, your weapon is your words it has to come out of your mouth Okay, in Revelation we saw that Jesus Christ the sword came out of his mouth the word came out of his mouth the minute you speak the word, things start happening, and don't sit down and not ever speak scripture Okay, it's like now we're going to go into a prayer meeting and we're going to go and pray when you pray, quote scripture. Why? Because angels get released to break things in the spirit realm, over the nation, over the city. Okay, tonight we are praying for our city, and when we pray, we are going to break things in this spirit, because we quote scripture. As we do that, we are releasing our sword into this atmosphere, and we are going to change this climate in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, now. When it comes to the sword, uh, when it comes to the word as our weapons, there's something that you need to understand. You've got to meditate on the word. That meditation is going to bring a revelation in your heart. When I meditate on it, it has to come to a place of revelation. That revelation will bring that manifestation a lot quicker in your life. What do I mean by that? It means if I just know scripture and I speak scripture, I'm telling you right now, often it doesn't carry weight. How many times have you heard some granny or somebody just quoting scripture and you know that it means absolutely nothing to them? That's just head knowledge, they just get information. Come on, I'm sure you've had that. But when you get the revelation inside, when you, something comes up and suddenly you get the spark, how many times have you read the Bible and all of a sudden it's become alive to you? Just one verse, not the whole thing. It's just like you get so excited about this one thing. 
When you get that thing, I'm telling you right now, when you speak that scripture out, it's going to carry weight. Why? Because there's a revelation inside of you. Once you get revelation, it releases power. So what happens is, I get Logos. Now Logos is information, it's just uh, communication. It's transference of words, it's called Logos. If I speak to you, it's called Logos. You can hear me, it's Logos. Okay? Now, everybody here, if I quote a scripture or say something, it could be Logos for everybody. But one person, it hits them inside and it becomes a revelation to them. That person has now moved from Logos to Rhema. In other words, it's rhema to them. It is alive inside of them. Then when they speak it out, they speak it out as Logos, but with power. So you can either go in your ear as Logos, and out your mouth as Logos. Or it can come in as Logos, get a revelation, release it as Logos with power, and things happen. Do you understand? So when it comes in as Logos, I meditate on it until I get a revelation. When I get a revelation, when I speak that scripture, I'm going to release it with power. And this is how I started my walk, especially when it came to the occult and all the satanic things, because I got a revelation of one scripture. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I don't care what anybody says. I know that inside of me, I've got something that's greater than outside. And let me tell you something. Wherever I went, demons trembled. I've never once walked into a place where the devil has intimidated me or made me feel, and I'm talking about from a child of 13 years old, I could do this already. And so, wherever I went, I understood this because of one scripture. I had a revelation of the word of God that greater is he that is in me. I didn't understand everything else. I just know that when I walked in there, the devil knew that I knew God. I'm telling you, it is not for the preachers and some guy up top here. It is for every believer. Every single one of us should understand the devil has no authority whatsoever anymore if you don't allow him to have it. Okay, so I need to have a revelation in my life. When I have the revelation in my life, I speak the word, but I'll speak it out with power. So whenever you pray, pray the word of God. Because when you pray the Word of God, and especially the scriptures that you've got revelation on. So in other words, if I'm trusting God for a breakthrough over something, I need to get the scripture for that thing. I must meditate on it until I get a revelation of it. When I get a revelation and it's really in my spirit, I speak that scripture out and it releases the power of God with it. And things start happening and start moving in my life. And so I want you to know that God is really wanting us to move on a very high level with regards to this. Now, Jesus stopped Satan's attack with the Logos word. Remember when he says, it is written, it is written, it is written. You see, when Jesus speaks a word, it is always Logos. I cannot transfer rhema to you. You've got to find the rhema in your own heart. So when Jesus Christ stopped Satan's attack, he was releasing the word with power. Because he had had a revelation of the scripture that he was quoting. Jesus heals by the living Logos word in Matthew chapter 8 verse 16. Now listen to this. The Bible says, have you read this before? You will give an account for every idle word that you have spoken. Okay, in Matthew chapter 12 verse uh, 36. Now that does not mean every single word that you've ever communicated in your life. Can you imagine how much judgment we'll have for that? Especially for all the expressives. A lot of us say a lot and speak a lot and say nothing. 
Let me tell you what that means. It's, that word there is every rhema word that has been spoken. Every idle rhema word. What does it mean? It means every time I have said something and it's become a revelation in somebody's heart. Positive or negative. Let, let me give you an example. Ach, you're an idiot. And the guy suddenly picks up the revelation. I am an idiot. Do you understand? That has taken grip. He's got a revelation of my communication to him. And you communicate to your children, you communicate to your friends. Every single person that has picked up a rhema from what you have said, God says He's going to hold you accountable and hold you in judgment for. So be careful what you say to people. Your tongue will control you in James chapter 3 verse 8. And then Jesus cast out demons with the Logos word in Matthew 8 verse 16. Now this is the one that's so important for you. Faith comes by a rhema word in Romans chapter 10 verse 17. In other words, if I just hear the word, it does not bring me faith. I have to get it to a place when it's a revelation in my heart. The minute it's a revelation in my heart, my faith raises and climbs. So I have got to get a scripture... So don't just get any scripture. Let's say you're going through a battle. I need a scripture that I'm going to meditate on until I get the revelation. When I get that revelation, my faith is going to rise. If I just know the scripture with my head, I have no faith. The devil can still steal that from me. But let me have a revelation and nothing but nothing can steal that from me. Let me tell you something. The devil can try and convince me that God is not greater in me than what's in the world. I'm telling you right now, there is no way that I'm going to be convinced of that because I've seen the power of God in operation. I have seen what God can do. There is no ways once you've got a revelation of something that the devil is able to take it away from you. Because with that revelation is going to be a building of faith. I trust God. I've got a revelation that God loves me. I've got a revelation that I have authority. And because I have that revelation, my faith level rises. And then when I release the word, I release it with power. And stuff starts happening. So it's important that you take the Bible and read it aloud so that you can start hearing the word and read it over and over. Don't read chapters and chapters. Read a verse over and over until it sinks and you get a revelation. When you've got that revelation, your faith gets higher and you will release it with power. And remember that every time you quote it, you are releasing angels to fight on your behalf. Man, this is awesome. I'm telling you what, we are real serious army goers. Man, this is a soldier of note. Can you imagine if we get every one of these weapons right? And operating it daily. I'm telling you, there's not a devil in hell that can come close to you. Because you'll be carrying such authority and power. Then, if that's not enough, the Bible says that you have the belt of truth, which is the Holy Spirit. The belt holds the weapons. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Truth. In John chapter 14 verse 17. So in other words, the Holy Spirit and the Word work together. The belt and the sword work together. The belt holds the sword. Alright? The Holy Spirit is our comforter. In John chapter 14 26. Holy Spirit is our teacher. In John chapter 14 verse 26. I'm not going to read these scriptures. I'm trying to get through the work. All right. The 
definition of a comforter is a one who comes alongside. Parakletos. It means somebody to come and help carry you. You know, like when you when you hurt your leg or something and you're taking a bit of strain, somebody comes and just props you up a little bit and walks alongside. The Holy Spirit is there to walk alongside. The problem that we have as the church is that we do not have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We have not learned to make the Holy Spirit our friend so that we can understand what we need to do on this earth. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us. Now this is the great part. This is God Himself. He's one of the three parts of the Godhead. Two parts of the Godhead are sitting in heaven. The third part is living inside of me. And God puts God inside of me to help me fulfill what God wants me to do. All I have to do is allow the Holy Spirit to do His work inside of me. The Bible says that He will finish the work that He has started inside of me. He does not need you to finish the work inside of me. People think they can fix other people. It's not your job. God says, God will finish the work that He started. All I have to do is allow the Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, help me with this. Help me get through this thing. Give me wisdom. Show me the things that are hidden in the Word. I mean, there are more than 70 aspects of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. I don't have time to go through them. I want you to know that if you understand this, you are on the winning side. God not only gives you all this weaponry, but then God gives you part of Himself inside of you to fight for you. All you have to do is allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a teacher. The Holy Spirit will always teach us the ways and the thoughts of Jesus. In 1 John chapter 2, 27... I want to read that scripture. It says, But the anointing which you have received by Him abides in you. And you do not need that anybody teach you, but the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as He has taught you, you will also abide in Him. So in other words, the Holy Spirit can teach me everything that Jesus Christ needs to show me. And say, God, you have given me an assignment. You have given me a purpose on this earth. Holy Spirit, come and show me what to do next. Give me God-given wisdom to do what I need to do. You see, God wants us to move on a new level. Alright, and then it's important that we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because when you are full of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit starts controlling your life more and more. The more the Holy Spirit controls your life, the less the devil can get near you. Because the more the Holy Spirit controls your life, the stronger the anointing of God's presence around you starts enveloping you. The power of God starts manifesting around you. It's like Peter, even his shadow started to heal people. I'm telling you, once you're full of the Holy Spirit, the devil cannot penetrate that. Alright, so we receive power through the Holy Spirit in Acts 1.8. And it says that you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now what is the reason for this power? Why does God give us supernatural power? 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9. It says, for we are fellow workers, uh, fe- sorry, we are God's fellow workers. Alright, you are God's field and you are God's building. We are God's God's fellow workers on this earth. So exactly what Jesus did, He wants you to do. You need power to do what He did. You need power to walk on water. You need power to sit down and set people free. You need power to deliver people. Come on. 
So we need to have the power of God to be able to do the same thing that Jesus did. Because God says we are His fellow workers. Right? Your mind is unfruitful when you pray. In other words, in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, it says you pray in the Holy Ghost so that your spirit prays directly to God so that there is a connection between you and God without any interference from any demon. This is awesome. You know, you read the story of Daniel, and now listen to this. In Daniel's story, you see that Daniel prays, and then there's this full-on fight for 20-odd days just to get the message back, and it's up and down in this whole issue. Now, I've got God living inside of me, talking to God without any interference, direct line, and it's chop, chop, up and down. I know exactly what to do. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit says that He will pray the things that I need, not what I think I want. See, the problem with us is we don't know what we need. We think we know what we need. You know, if you ask a child, what does he need? No, he needs ice cream. Come on. You see, we are limited by our circumstances. We don't know what tomorrow holds. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what's coming. So He can start interceding on your behalf for you to pray the right prayer so that you can get this thing done in Jesus' name. Man, this is awesome weaponry that we've got. Alright? And then are for today. There's this big argument to say that tongues died out with the apostles and it's not for today anymore. Well, let me just deal with this argument quickly. Acts chapter 2 verse 38 and 39 it says, And then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord will call. Is God still calling people today? Therefore the promise still stands. What's the promise? The promise of the Holy Spirit. Don't let anybody tell you that the Holy Spirit is not for today. Because here is scripture to say that this is for you and your children and anybody who God's still going to call. The Holy Spirit is here on this earth to help you get to what you have to do in Jesus name. Amen. We must be full of the Holy Spirit. And now in Acts 6 verse 3, in Acts 7:55, in Acts 11:22 to 24, it's just a whole lot of places where you have to be full of the Holy Spirit. You have to be full of the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit, guided by the Holy Spirit. How many of you would like to do what they did in the book of Acts? Come on. Walk down the road and there's just action. Power of God hits places. People get healed. People just want to get saved. Walk into a town and everybody repents. Come on, I'd like to see that type of power. The only way you see that is when you are full of the Holy Spirit. When you are sitting down saying, Holy Spirit, you control my body. You control my being. I am here so that you can penetrate and do whatever you want to do on this earth. And you do that by praying in tongues. Very simple. The more you pray in tongues, the more you get charged up. Practically function under the leading of the Holy Spirit. Alright, the more you pray in tongues, the fuller you get. In Jude chapter 1 verse 20. Alright, God wants us to make a difference in this world. Now that's very important. God wants us to make a difference in this world. It says, 1 John 4, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have the boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. As Jesus Christ is right now, we are in this world. How many of us are acting like Jesus did? How many of us are seeing anywhere close to the power that Jesus saw? So guess what? The problem is not with God, it's with us. He says, as I am, so are you. So why aren't you performing? 
Do you know why? Because we are not applying the word. We are not obeying what the word says. We are hearers of the word and not doers of the word. The Bible says that you are like a, uh, the word is like a mirror to you. you know, how many of you check the mirror? Oh yes, I'm wonderful. And as you walk away, you forget. Okay? God wants us to move onto a new level. He wants us to get to a place where we genuinely start moving like He did. In power, in signs and wonders, with all our weaponry, knowing who we are in Christ. We must spend time to get full of the Holy Spirit so that we can impact the world in Jesus' name. Amen. You still with me? One last one. Hold on to your seatbelts. I know that I'm flying through this thing. Are you guys learning something? Is this too fast for you? Information overload. Lord, I just pray that this gets sealed in our spirits in Jesus' name. Please take the tape and play it slowly. Alright. The last one is your shoes of peace. Your shoes of peace. Our shoes should be the gospel of peace. The word peace means to join. It means to be at one. It means peace, quietness, rest, and prosperity. There's a lot of people who have got this thing to say, we are not in the Christian walk, not allowed to walk in prosperity. It's the biggest lie that the devil has had. Alright? God was not poor. The Bible says that Jesus Christ became poor so that we could become rich. That means money. Alright? So I want you to know that we are are prosperous in every area of our life. Aspects of peace. The world longs to find peace, but it can only find it when you give your life to Jesus Christ. How do I know that? How many of you have seen guys, they try everything to... There's a gap missing in their life and they try everything to fulfill it. You know, whether it's drugs, whether it's girls or guys, whatever, um, they try and fill it, cars, money, prestige, fame, whatever it is. They try everything and then they go to bed and they switch off that light and there's this emptiness. And then there's this loneliness. I mean, so many people are looking for that inner peace. They are looking for peace. You know, even if the guy's the most wealthy guy in the world, and you ask him, what's the one thing you would love? And then you hear how many of them have said peace. It's been phenomenal. You watch these CNNOs and you see these guys interviewed and they're some big shot and they're big heroes and all of this. And how many of them have said, I just wish I had peace. I would love to just take these clips of all these big shots. You know, these, these famous people, actors, artists, whatever it is. And how many times they've mentioned that and said, I just need peace. Now, the Bible says that peace will guard your heart. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 7, it says, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Now I want you to see, it guards your heart and mind. It means your soul, your thinking, your emotions. Okay? Philippians chapter 4 verse 7. And it says that it will guard you. Now this isn't that is given in the midst of a storm there's chaos around you but you are not phased by the natural you have a supernatural peace even though you should be going into panic let me give you an example it's like if somebody's in hospital and let's take an example my own dad 
Alright, I got a phone call to say that my dad was busy dying and I'd better get to the hospital as fast as I can. And I was staying at Kenton still, so I came flying through to Port Elizabeth. And I get there and every single person around me was, you know, in the normal negativity that you get. And I, you know, as for me and my family and everybody who's connected with us, know that we do not go down that road. We're going to battle mode in the name of Jesus. All right, sickness is not part of our vocabulary. I don't mind if you sit there and go to sleep and never wake up. You did not go to heaven sick. Sickness is part of the curse. So when they said, my dad's dying, we had a prophetic word to say, he will not die. And we walked in there. I had total peace that Jesus Christ was going to raise him. Even if he did die, I was going to raise him from the dead because I had a word to say he's coming back. So I had total peace and everybody else was panicking in the room. You see, I did not look at the natural. I looked at the natural and it did not look good. I touched my dad, he was so cold and so sticky that they couldn't even get those heart monitors to stick on him. That means there's no circulation, he's on his way out, his organs are packed up and da 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 da. You guys heard some of the testimony. But God raised him in 12 hours. And you can see now, he's totally well of that situation, totally healed. You see, the thing is this, is that there is a peace that guards your mind. You see, that you can't, you don't have a problem, listen to the statement carefully, you don't have a problem in a storm, as long as the water is not in the boat. Okay, when the water is in the boat, then you have an issue. Then you're getting close to glug, glug, glug. As long as the storm rages outside of your heart, you're fine. But let that storm come inside, you've got a problem. What forms that wall, that garrison around you? It is peace. Supernatural peace that passes, surpasses all understanding. It's not logical, it doesn't make sense. But in the midst of a storm, I have a supernatural peace. Now, Jesus Christ brings true peace. In John chapter 16 verse 33 it says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation to be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In other words, when you face something that's tough and things go wrong, it's fine. Because you know there's going to be tribulation. But in the midst of that, I can have peace. That peace can guard my heart so that that thing does not come into my life. And it will overcome every demonic spirit around me. It will stop every attack in Jesus' name. Because as long as that water's not in the boat, I'm safe. Now, how does peace bring me victory? The peace of God must rule my life. Colossians chapter 3. Now first of all, before I get there, how do I get peace? Come on, we need to get this peace first. Isaiah 26 verse 3. It says, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. What's another word for trust? Faith. So in other words, the more I focus on Jesus Christ, I meditate on Jesus, on his word, that he will deliver me, the Bible says that he will give me peace. You can see how this all works together. Okay? The more I meditate on the Word, the more I get into God, the more I trust God, the Bible says, when I trust Him, I will have a supernatural peace, knowing that the circumstances will not affect me. 
Colossians 3 verse 15, it says, And let the peace of God rule your hearts, to which you are also called to one body, and be thankful. In other words, I need to know that the peace of God will guard my heart and put a garrison around me. A garrison is like a big wall, a protection, okay, around me, a big fort. My life must be, must be guided by peace. Now what does that mean? It means when I've got to make a decision, remember I said, you've got to have your feet shod with the gospel of peace. It's your feet. It's the place where you're going to. How many of you have ever had a big decision to make in your life and you don't know which way to go? Alright? And let me tell you something. Sometimes when you're going to make that decision, your emotions can go either way. But let me tell you something. There's a peace inside that will guide you. How do I get guided by peace? This is what I do. I say, okay, here's the one decision. God, I'm going to... Let's use an example. Um... My kids, I've got two schools to go to. I don't know which school to send my kids to. Okay, here's the one school. I say, God, this is a school. I'm going to send my child to this school. And you check in your heart. Do I have peace or do I feel unsettled? Then I say, okay, God, this is the school I'm going to. Do I have peace about it? Yes or no. The one that I have peace about, go do it. The Bible says you'll be guided by peace. Every decision that we have made as a family, we've done by peace. Including leaving town without even knowing where we're going. We will pack up and leave. My family is very easily um, uh, transportable. Alright? My kids will go, okay, we've been here too long. It's time to leave now, Dad. Where are we going? You know, they'll sit down and they'll go, listen, if God says it, we are here. They don't have a problem with sitting down and just saying, well, we're going to be anchored in a place forever and ever and ever. They don't have that issue. They, if God speaks, we all got peace about it, we move. Okay? So what I want you to know is this is very important that God wants us to operate in this peace. Now, the result by this is that you're going to have tremendous testimonies. When you start being moved by peace, you're going to see there was the right decision at the right time. The circumstances might not be in line. There might be a storm around it. But you'll see that God is going to bring you through this thing and you're going to have a tremendous testimony at the end. That's why the Bible says... Uh, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. In other words, the word of their testimony is one of the things that overcame the devil. How do I get the word of the testimony? Is when I see God moving because I'd obeyed God, because I'd had peace. I was guided by peace, I obeyed God, did what God told me, and I have a testimony, and the devil was not able to do anything about it. Now, my feet should be prepared with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Our feet are guided by peace. Alright, in Luke chapter 179, to give light to those who sit in darkness and shadow of death, and to guide our feet in the way of peace. In other words, the direction we must go, must be going in the direction where we have peace. We must be ready to preach the gospel at all times. Wherever you go, you must preach the gospel to say, listen, when God led me this way, this is the testimony that I have on this thing. This is what happened when God spoke to me. Your testimony is incredible, because then you can start preaching the gospel. The Bible says that we need to be ready in and out of season. In 2 Timothy chapter chapter 4 verse 2, and you must be able to preach the gospel at any time giving testimonies about what God has done for you. Why are testimonies so important? When I give you a testimony, it starts building faith. You say, God, if you can do it for him, you can do it for me. 
If you can bring them out of that mess, you can do it for me. And that is what God wants for each and every one of us in Jesus' name. Alright, our biggest decisions must simply be made by whether we have peace or not. We must be ready at all times to move when God speaks. Now here is a summary of the four elements of peace. Alright, these are four things that you must know about peace. You must have inner peace. When I get born again, I have an inner peace. I must have peace in the storm. You know, when storms rage, circumstances are out of control, I must have peace in the midst of the storm. I must be guided by peace. I must be guided which way to go, what I need to do, okay? Whenever God wants me to do something. And number four is I must minister peace wherever I go. I must be a person that brings peace into the place wherever I go. When I leave, people must say, listen, there was such a peace and such a presence of God because that person came into my life. Amen. Those are your six weapons. Your helmet, your breastplate, your shield, your sword, your belt, and your shoes. And I want you to know that when we apply these weapons, I'm telling you right now, we are going to be Christians of note, carrying the power and the presence of Jesus Christ, pushing back every bit of darkness wherever we go and setting people free in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us these weapons so that we can overcome every bit of the evil work. Lord, every plan that Satan has ever planned against us, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us the weapons to resist. Lord, that we have got the weapons to be able to move forward in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for our armor. Lord, that we can stand and stand and stand and stand. Lord, knowing that when you come back, we have been faithful in the thing that you have called us to stand in and to be here keeping God and guarding our area that you have called us to protect in Jesus mighty name. Father I thank you that you are raising up men and women that are going to start moving forward in the spirit and not settling for second best. Lord that we will not conform to this world but God we will start rising up on a new level doing what you are telling us to do and Lord obeying your word and submitting to your Holy Spirit every step of the way. Father, I thank you for every single person. Father, I pray that we will move to new levels using the weapons that have been provided for us in Jesus' mighty name. And we thank you for this. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message today. For more of my teachings, please visit our website, www.fathersheart.co.za or subscribe to our podcast by going to iTunes and search for Arthur Frost and subscribe to my sermons podcast. May we be richly blessed as we apply the truth of God's word as he reveals it to us. Many blessings and God bless.